Welcome to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hanson, hosted by attorneys Sean Garner and Adam Hanson. Welcome to another edition of Life, Death, and the Law. I'm Sean Garner with Deason, Garner, and Hanson. I'm sitting in studio next to my partner, Adam Hanson, and across the table from Cody Beeson. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Buenos dias. So, Adam, um, I hear you have a new bestie, a new passion in life. You you went to a Taylor Swift concert last weekend? Yes, I was baptized um, into the church of Taylor Swift last week. I can see that because we share a YouTube account, and now every other video that pops up is Taylor Swift. I thought for sure, and I, and I brought this up with my daughter last night over dinner. I said, Molly, did you get a hold of my account? Did you sign in? She said no. And I go, well, somebody did because there's Taylor Swift videos <laughs> popping up all over the place. The only other person that has it is Adam, and I know it's not him. <laughs> Can't be him. Why you got to do me dirty like that in public? <laughs> that's listen, exa- that's listen. exactly what my daughter would say. Listen. I love how it's not like your teenage daughter. It's your partner in the law firm. <laughs> what tends to happen when you attend a concert is you become a little bit more interested in that particular artist and you do a little bit more research. And that's what was happening. Uh, yeah. I wanted to figure out, is she a good person or not? It is more fun to sing in the concert. You got to know the words. I get that. Oh my gosh. It was horrible. Not the con- the concert. She's fantastic. Like I give her, if you are not familiar with Taylor Swift, I mean, her concert was, I went to SoFi Stadium. It's right by LAX and uh, sold out. It's a brand new stadium for the Chargers and the Rams. They just built it, I think a couple years ago and a uh, beautiful stadium, brand new facility. And it was, it was sold out the night I went and that was the second night. And she's doing it for six nights in a row there in LA. Um, or she was last week, and and so it was sold out. I think seven over seventy thousand people, mainly um, teenage girls, mm-hmm. but uh, I was there as well. And um, so, if you're a teenage girl or a pedophile, that's the what? venue for you. I was there supporting my wife. It was her Christmas <laughs> present, and we've waited all these months to to go. And uh, I I haven't waited. She's waited. And I just kind of went along. In fact, I was telling Cody, he asked how it was. And I said, it was great. I had to, it was really long. It's three and a half hours. And I found myself just uh, midway through, I just had to sit down finally and take a cat nap. I, I got a good 15 hour power, or 15 minute power nap in between the few songs. I mean, she, she kind of, she comes out with a bang, you know, and then it kind of lulls in the middle, kind of gets a little bit more subdued during the concert and, and that's when I took my opportunity to take a nap. And then um, and then I, I was recharged and I was able to finish. But I give her props. I mean, three and a half hour performance night after night. I mean, she is a workhorse. And she brings in, I was reading a few articles, I think it comes out to about uh, 12 to 13 million a night she's net. Pretty, she's pretty generous though. And you know, of course that's a lot of money and it's easy, we think, those of us who don't have that much money, to be generous when you have a ton of money to give it away. But it's human nature. The more you get, the more you want. And I've heard that she's been giving away quite a bit to not only the staff that works for her above and beyond their contracts, but um, to charities all around, millions of dollars um, that are being generated from these concerts. So that's a nice thing. Um, I hear enough of her music on boat trips that I think (laughs) I've got my fill. But Yeah, and I mean, it is what it was. I mean, it was fun. I I probably will never do that again. But it was fun to be there with my wife and experience that. And, and she is a, a true uh, showman. I mean, it was fun to watch for three and a half hours. I was more enamored by the technical 
abilities of the stadium and the screens and the stage and things like that. That's what I'm really watching. I mean, she's great. She sings great. And I, I enjoy some of her songs, but I was really watching like the panning of the angles and, you know, the back behind the scenes. I w- that was really interesting to me mm. for this huge stadium and, the, and, and the, the idea of it all being orchestrated and moving all these moving parts. That was what was fascinating to me. I just, I like to watch that. We were all given wristbands with led lights and after the fact, I didn't realize this, but they were sitting on my chair when, when we got there. And during the concert, sections would light up in a particular way. So they weren't all calibrated the same. And I was like, man, do they know? They must know where we're sitting because our, our bands are lighting up a different color than, say, the people on the other side of the stadium. And all in unison and coordinated, you know, it was like over there, the big old section was red and over here is purple. But it was like lickety split. It was within a few seconds changing and, and all these things. And, and later on when I did some research, my wife was showing me this video, how they do that. It was just pretty incredible. Um, and the technology that they use to do all that, it wasn't, they didn't know where I was. They were using like an infrared light that they can shine like a spotlight on the crowd in certain areas, which will tell the, that, that wristband reacts in a certain way. Um, so that made me happier that they didn't know who I was and where I was sitting because those wristbands, even when we got home for another two, three days, they were still lighting up. And I was like, oh man, are they tracking me? When she was doing another concert? Yeah. Well, they just didn't shut off and I couldn't figure out how to shut it off. Oh yeah. And her concerts were continuing. They just were always on. And I'm like, oh man, are they, is it like a beacon to the Taylor (laughs) Swift yeah. Government? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, they're going to round you all up and send you off to an island of Swifties. Well, she is generating quite a buzz, and uh, she's bringing a, a bucket ton of money, so that's good. They say um, that she brings in, I think, close to a billion dollars anywhere she goes in the United States. That's amazing. That's incredible. And this tour alone is going to bring her in, they say, well over a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Never been done in the history of an artist. She should be president. Yeah. She, I was just, I was thinking, you know, as I'm reading all these numbers, like she is keeping the president afloat, but for his economy, I mean, Taylor Swift alone is keeping him afloat. At least we give our money to her voluntarily. Yeah. And that was another thing. Like I'm not, I, I give her props for her work ethic, her, uh, what she's doing. And, and another issue that she came, I don't know how familiar you are. I don't know why we went down the Taylor Swift rabbit hole, but you went there. So let's go there. Okay. Another thing, I don't know how familiar you are with this, but um, many artists do not own their own music. Are you aware of this? I'm aware of the, the rights. obsession of Taylor Swift's music and, and her writing ability. Okay, so any artist, if you pick an artist, Michael Jackson, uh, Queen Latifah, Taylor Swift, they do not typically own the rights to their own music. Those copyright... Uh, rights are owned usually by a studio and the label that promotes them right yeah most of the time to taylor that was a big deal she always, she wrote her music all that music she she wrote with collaboration a lot of a lot of times but it is her music and that's her passion is to write music and um, over the course of these decades it came to the point and she always made this known is what she's saying you know she always made this known i want my music i want rights to my music uh, when they become available, I want to be the first person to buy those. And I think they came available, do you know, Cody, maybe 2015 or something like that? Maybe 2009. I, I can't remember the time frame. 
but the rights to all of her music, her past music, became available to the public market, where the the person that owned it was now going out and finding a fair market value purchaser mm-hmm. of that those copy copyrighted songs, and uh, which is all of them. I mean, it's an album of over forty something songs, and uh, this man that had the rights to them, he skipped over her and sold them for like hundreds of millions of dollars to an investment firm, which is typical. And um, she was very upset by that because she wanted to own her own songs and she'd made that known. And I might not getting this, I might not be getting this story exactly right, but um, I think it's pretty close. Yeah. $300 million is what, when was that? uh, In uh, 2019. Oh yeah. So relatively recently. Yeah. And so she made that known publicly. She's like, hey, what the heck? I got stiffed. I told you I would buy these and I would pay that price yeah. of 300 million, whatever. This is my songs. I no. want them. No, it's a tragedy. It's a, it's, it's a tragedy that she was unable. Are you, is that sarcasm in your voice? That the free market system works? She wasn't even given the opportunity. She wasn't allowed to participate. She was like cut out of the deals. Now I'm on his side. What's going on? Mine or Sean? Well, your side. Taylor's Sean's side. about to fall asleep here. I'm having a hard time sympathizing with somebody that generates a billion dollars at a show. Well, she wouldn't probably be able to do that but for what she did. So what did she do? Okay. Which has never been done before by an artist. She said, well, those are my songs. I'll just do it again. I'm still alive. I'm going to go back and I'm going to re-record them under my own personal label that she creates mm-hmm. and I will own them. So because her fan base is so large, everybody deleted their old songs of Taylor Swift and downloaded the new versions that she re-released under her own name. So if you see a song, it'll be like uh, the title of the song in parentheses it'll, and behind it, it'll say Taylor's version because there's such a mass following and everybody's like, yeah, she's sticking it to the man that, they everybody dumped these songs. It was the ultimate like take yeah. that, and now she owns all of her songs, and she's making tons of money off of them. And I I congratulate her for that to to actually stick it to the man like that and stick up for herself. So I think that was pretty cool of her. Do I agree with her politics? Probably not. I mean, well, who knows what her politics are? I don't know what her politics are. Oh, she she was care. a big Hillary um, advocate. I don't oh. know if she still is. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm just guessing. She runs around with the Hollywood crowd. But uh, one thing that did disappoint not disappoint me, but I'm sitting here in this stadium of, you know, over 70,000 people, most of which are little girls, like we talked about. And my brother turned to me, he's like, she could say, slit your wrist right now, and we would be bathing in blood because they are so fanatical about her and their support for her that they will do anything that she says. And I thought to myself, that's really dangerous. It's a dangerous concept to have an individual hearkening to a fallible person yeah. because Taylor Swift is not perfect as much as you think she is. She is not. I mean, I like to think she is after watching YouTube video after YouTube video. She's Thank pretty you. close to yeah. perfect, For but she's not. Our channel with and now Taylor Swift. And now Sean's she's watching. not. <laughs> and when I place my confidence in that, that individual and then she does something like, I don't know, she stands up for wearing face masks or says, Hey, you need to be vaccinated another five times then that populace is like, oh, Taylor said, and that is their God, and then they're going to follow that. Okay, so here's where I am going to jump in on her behalf. I think that's totally acceptable, because where I don't think it's acceptable is for the government to do it, right? Elected officials to come in, and and just because they're elected, they all of a sudden have all the power and knowledge. Um, An individual, because 
their appeal or whatever, they've got some artistic ability and they can sing and they have a following, they can exert their influence over the people that want to follow them. And those individuals who think just because she can sing also has a, a degree in, um, I don't know, biochemistry and how um, contagious diseases are spread, if they're stupid enough to believe that, then go for it. What I what I like, though, is that she's a private individual saying it on her private behalf. That's okay. I'm totally okay with that. Um, it, what, but what I take issue with is a cult following. Yeah. Like, going into this concert... But we acknowledge it as that. We acknowledge it that it's a cult-like following, and so do her followers. They're just like, oh, I love her. I worship her. And at least they acknowledge the issue, whereas there's a lot of cult-like followings out there that they don't acknowledge that. And that's where the real dangerous when you're when your zombie like compliance is unknown to you and and being pushed upon you by the media and the government that's where i think the real danger is we've got her picture up great on the big screen awesome. yeah say it to her face <laughs> i put it on the screen so you can look at it and now say it to taylor's face so uh, I agree and disagree with you. I, I I don't think people recognize that it's a cult following, but I'll, I'll give you some examples. Going into this concert, my wife is like, oh, I bought these bracelets. They're friendship bracelets, and there's like 25 of them. I got some for you. They're boy versions, and I got some for me. When we go, you trade with other people. Is there a boy version of Taylor Swift stuff? That's what she told me. It was probably to make me feel better, but... Oh. <laughs> I wore them, okay? Yeah, like and a Ken doll, you know? And then she's like, okay. Yeah, yeah. About 20 songs in, then everybody does this. And if you don't know the secret lyrics that she sings, oh, man. I'm like, listen, they're I... They're take you out back and, and they, they cover gonna, you with lipstick and eyeshadow. I don't know what they're going to do, but, man, it's not good. It's not good. And, yeah, so it's this big cult following. And I'm like, listen, I'm going to support you. But I don't want to work. Like, I feel like it's a test. Everything she was telling me, okay, on this song, do this. And if you don't know the lyrics to every word of that song, man, then you're, you're a horrible person. And I'm like, I, I'm just going to be entertained. Um, I spent a lot of money on this, and I don't want to prepare like a freaking test, okay? Yeah. I'm not going to memorize every song. And the bad thing about it was... Like, she was great, but I could barely hear her because all these girls around me were screaming the lyrics. They weren't even singing. Like, sing nicely. Sing along, but they weren't singing. They were just screaming the words. And I'm like, I can't even hear Taylor. Yeah. I can't imagine teenage girls would react that way. But The good news was, it was like, who, I, was who thinking, know? I was thinking halfway through, I'm like, it's okay. This is a three and a half hour concert. They're not going to be sustainable. Like, they can't sustain that. And so, sure enough, you know, shortly thereafter, they... Yeah. I didn't hear them. They were gone. They oh. like blew out their voices. <laughs> and I was like, hey, the time has come. Oh, the youth. The youth of today. Okay. Well, that was great. Um, we're going to take a break and come back. Coming up, more thought-provoking conversations on life, death, and the law right after this. Hey, you, my Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust 
and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back to Life, Death, and the Law. We're going to be talking about cults, and um, that's the topic for today, apparently. We started out with um, Swifties and the cult following that uh, Swifties are part of, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think there are worse (laughs) things to be part of. I was just going to say, for example, you say cult as if it's a bad thing. Right. Well, <laughs> exactly. What's so bad about it? So, I mean, cults have a, have a bad um, spin. A bad right? rap? They yeah. get a bad rap? Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people follow things that they're passionate about in a cult-like manner. And uh, w- what I mean by that is, is they look at a leader or they look at an influencer or they look at an idea and they pursue that, whether it's exercise or a religion or the environment. And today, that's what I want to talk about a little bit, is um, the environmentalist cult, or the climate change cult that's going on. And this one, I I have no problem with people being very enamored with the environment, or even the climate, and studying that enthusiastically. The issue that I have is where people start to trample over others' rights, when they try to implement their beliefs on others. Now, that's been the history of mankind through you know, the Roman Empire, the Greeks, um, of course, the Jews. They thought they were the correct, although they didn't, they didn't push their beliefs on other nations as strongly. They, they tended to keep it in among their own nation, but certainly thought that they were the only true, um, or they worshiped the only true and living God, which I tend to believe as well. But um, nations, the point is, when they have gripped on to a religious belief, they tend to push that religious beliefs, and we had the Crusades. And, and we look back at it from a historical viewpoint, and we see that that was a bad thing. We see that that um, really took away an individual's ability to choose and to follow, and following any type of belief at the point of a sword or at the end of a barrel of a gun is not truly believing at all. And so in America, the First Amendment has established that we're not going to have any government-established religion, that the government is not going to uh, support any one religion and is going to allow freedom of religion for the citizens or anybody that lives here in America. And that's a wonderful thing. With climate change and environmentalism, this is a sneaky little cult that when it's not identified as such, it can be very, very dangerous because it can lull us into some um, complacency or even 
um, a following of doing things that can result in very horrific um, results, meaning starvation, famine, or changing policies that impact us all without really knowing what we're doing and what we're getting into. So what I want to uh, I want to stop for a moment and read some articles. And I emailed a couple of them to you, and I know we've looked at these articles before, but um, these are articles from 50 years ago. And they're about climate change and how we're going to go through mass famine and destruction unless everybody comes in line and goes lockstep in with what these scientists, the ones that are famous for the day, are, are saying about what's going on in our world. And so here I've got an article from uh, Los Angeles Times. And this article, well, I'll just read it. It says, It is already too late for the world to avoid a long period of famine and uh, starvation. This is from a Stanford University biologist, uh, Paul Ehrlich. The time for famine is upon us and will be at its worst and most disastrous by the year 1975. He said the population of the United States is already too big. Birth control may have to be accomplished by making it involuntary and by putting sterilization agents into staple foods and drinking water and that the Roman Catholic Church should be pressured into going along with this routine measures of population control. So what is the religion that I'm talking about? It's the religion that the earth is pristine when it's not um, polluted by mankind in any way. And I think the very existence of mankind on the earth is being seen as somewhat of a pollutant on the earth. The earth is to be worshipped. And if anything is um, changed through um, invention or um, manipulated, that is that is not the original in, uh, environment that that would have taken place without the the presence of man, then that's a bad thing. I disagree with that personally. Um, of course, I'm biased because I happen to be human and I like living here. But uh, and I and I also believe personally that the Earth was made by God. I believe in God that He created us in His image and He created this Earth for us to be good stewards over it and to allow us to leave, pro, lead productive lives and have children and uh, learn patience and capacity and uh, compassion and charity. But um, that's that's my religion, Adam. What have you got over there? Yeah, so you sent us these different quotes and asked me to pick one of them. Um, the one that I chose was from June twenty fourth of two thousand eight. This was an article in the AP Science, and um, the headline says uh, NASA scientist says we're toast, and it goes on to say Hansen. That's why I like this article because. The guy's name, this uh, climate dude is named uh, Hansen. Echoing work by other scientists said that in five to ten years, keep in mind this was uh, 2008, the Arctic will be free of sea ice in the summer. And then this guy, Dr. Hansen, um, was heralded by uh, Ed Markey, which was a Democrat rep- uh, representative from Massachusetts at the time, and the committee chairman in the environmental area 
in 2008, and he, he said, quote, Dr. Hansen was right. 20 years later, we recognize him as a climate prophet. And I think a lot of this conversation is predicated on a, a quote by Michael Crichton. If you guys remember Michael Crichton, he was a, a wonderful author, um, probably 20, 30 years ago. Oh, yeah. This particular quote. The director. Yeah. Uh-huh. Jurassic Park. Uh, yeah, and then the monkey one, the gorillas oh, uh, yeah. in the jungle. Planet of the Apes? No. Oh. Hong- Congo? Congo. Congo. Yeah. And so, yeah, th- those are a couple things. But he, um, he also made this quote uh, 20 years ago. It was in 2003. And that's what this conversation is really predicated on. You sent this out to me, Sean, earlier in a YouTube video. But I found the quote. It says, today, one of the most powerful religions in the Western world is environmentalism. Environmentalism seems to be the religion of choice for urban atheists. Why do I say it's a religion? Well, just look at the beliefs. If you look carefully, you will see that the env- environmentalism is, in fact, a perfect 21st century remapping of traditional Judeo- Judeo-Christian beliefs and myths. There's an initial Eden, a paradise, a state of grace, and a unity with nature. There's a fall from grace into a state of pollution as a result of eating from the tree of knowledge, and as a result of our actions, there is a judgment day coming for us all. We are all energy sinners, doomed to die, unless we seek salvation, which is now called sustainability. Sustainability is salvation in the church of the environment, just as organic food is its communion, that pesticide-free wafer that the right people with the right beliefs imbibe. A really interesting concept of as he ties that to traditional Judeo-Christian beliefs and yeah. that uh, belief system that they have. But I, going to what you're saying, this is it's become a religion. And if you're not on the right side, uh, the popular side that's uh, professed by media outlets and by politicians, then you're lambasted. And and that's really the thing that scares me is because. Not that it's a religion. That That's not what scares me. What scares me is that it's a state-sponsored religion, that it's a religion that's imposed on the rest of us and that's used to direct policy. And um, when that we, we've seen that that is the downfall of civilizations again and again and again throughout history. Cody, what did you got? Uh, so for me, like it, I remember hearing about acid rain like as a kid going mm-hmm. through science class. And like umbrellas won't stop it, like you are your toast. And then, uh, so it's so funny to see this article from 1980 proclaiming that. And then by 1990, they're like, "Oh, it's actually not a big deal. The data was wrong. We <laughs> what, were wrong." What article? Who? Who oh, the Associated wrote Press? It. Okay, yeah, it came out uh, September 6, 1990. Acid rain, no environmental crisis. Oops, we found out. So I mean, it just goes to show if you're not a part of that narrative or or that tribe. So I know we've been using the term cult, but it's really like I feel feel it's a tribe. Like if you're not on the Republican or the Democrat tribe or this actually transcends, this goes through both of those those circles. Um, But at the end of the day, if you're not, you know, touting that message and and promoting, you know, the environmental impacts that we're doing or not doing. I mean, yeah, you're you're outside of it. So, you know. Christianity, of course, is a religion. It's one of the, the it's the most popular religion in the world. We've got Buddhism and Hinduism and Muslims. Um, so all these religions, I, I I think that they're great. Honestly, I think that following God 
is a very good thing. It gives you purpose to life. It makes you look outside yourself and become part of something bigger than yourself. All of these religions um, have zealots. Christianity, they had a zealot movement, and uh, they want to impose their beliefs on others and, and, and created horrific crimes in doing so. And so you got to realize when it is a religion and when it's going past what um, religion is intended to do, and that is bring you closer to God, and whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing, and also whether or not the government ought to get involved. And in this case, we've got this religion where the government is certainly involved. They're taking our money to support these religious um, endeavors in this, this religious narrative. For example, we had the Green New Deal, which took $2 billion and attributed it that was the initial Green New Deal. Then there was an initial $40 billion after that. But um, it was to um, promote environmental and social justice. And that that's what really, I think, is detrimental to our society in general. Another thing is, you know, in that article that I read, that, that the population of the United States is too big and there must be mandated birth control. And you look at that and how that coincides with pro-abortion stances. If you're environmentalist and people are the problem, then perhaps your views on abortion are influenced by that, but it's your religion. Just come out and ad- admit it that it's your religion. If you don't admit it that it's your religion or you're hypocritical about it, then that's when I get to be a little bit put off about the whole movement. For example, um, if you say... This whole stop oil now, is that what it's called, this movement in, in Britain where they're holding up these these banners and they're stopping traffic on um, highways and freeways and uh, nobody can get to their work or to funerals or to wherever they're going and um, it's really causing a big problem. And so you look at them and say, okay, of these people that are that are blocking everybody else, not only are they imposing their beliefs on individuals and infringing upon their rights to be free and move about as they see fit, but they're using byproducts of oil or oil itself to actually promote and 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 function in in their religious movement. I mean, how did they get there? Did they all walk to these gatherings? I doubt it. Did they all bicycle to them? And if they did, what were those bicycles made out of? Were they made out of, you know, some type of fuel that was heated up to form the bicycle? Their clothes were made out of petroleum byproducts. The very signs that they're holding are plastic, right? Oh, yeah, and and they're printed, and yeah, exactly. It's a movement there. So the the hypocrisy there, you know, we've heard about it time and time again where all of these global leaders – they will go to these climate summits and they arrive there on their private jets and, and we're all upset about that. And they say, well, we uh, offset our carbon footprint by doing other things that um, make us so we don't have to be held accountable like you. But um, most of them, they want to influence what we eat, what we drive, what we wear, and how basically we act every day instead of just why, why don't you just practice your religion? If you think that environmentalism is great and recycling is great and using less fossil fuel is great, then do so. Um, there, what, what would you say the opposition to 
their viewpoint on on me saying you practice your religion you let me practice mine and we'll both be fine there's no way to to really grow it without fear or or this system i mean at the end of the day the free market's going to decide how things run yeah and but not just fear force because they're literally standing directly in my way and you know you can't travel or they're implementing policies that are taking my money through taxes and putting policies in place to support a religion that I don't, I don't affiliate with, I don't believe in. we got to take a break. We'll be back. This is Life, Death, and the Law. Coming up, more thought-provoking conversations on life, death, and the law right after this. Hey, you, my Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back to Life, Death, and the Law. We are talking about the cult following of climate change. And I call it a cult. You can call it a religion. I think a lot of people that are following wouldn't like to call it either. They wouldn't like to call it a religious following. They would say it's, it's the science. Follow the science. It's the same type of science that led us into all the COVID policies that we had to abide by that we now know were totally false or even the origin of COVID. Uh, the science wasn't there. And it, the, 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 the cry to follow the science was very loud until the science was debunked. But you couldn't actually talk about it. Um, freely over social media, and it's the same thing here. If you look up anything on Google or YouTube or whatever um, search engine you're going with, um, you're going to have all these warnings that say that the United Nations have all agreed that uh, global warming is a thing or climate change is a thing. I know they, they keep changing the terminology, and um, that if you don't believe it, then you're an idiot, and this article is is misinformation. Okay, great. Get past that, and then you can tend to read the article, but we don't know how many articles out there that are suppressed, and that's really the point is they say 98% of um, scientists agree that the earth is warming and that, that human activity is contributing to it, and if we just stop doing what we're doing as far as burning fossil fuels, then um, everything will be green and luscious and we'll be fed and happy and we'll live in harmony together. The reality of it is if we stop burning fossil fuels, we can't produce as much food, not nearly as much food. We produce um, a thousand times more food with one person now than we did just 150 years ago. And a thousand times. And we're not using slave labor to do it. Yes, right. I think the humanitarian issue comes into play here. And so... My 
my problem with this is not only have the prophecies been wrong. If you're if you want to be part of this following, so be it. Like your prophecies can be wrong. A lot of people I think would read the Bible and say, well, there's prophecies in there that didn't turn out to be true. Um, yet I, I'm going to still believe the Bible, and I'm still going to follow the teachings of Christ. I don't believe that the prophecies didn't come true. I think maybe our interpretation didn't come true. But there's these prophecies. I mean, I could look up dozens right now that say that there's going to be mass famines and millions will die because of global warming. There's other articles that will say millions will die because there's, there's going to be a new Arctic age and, and a freezing. And these are all in between the 60s and the 70s of these, and, and saying this is going to happen within a couple of decades. We're far beyond the point of this mass destruction of mankind. And they also predict that um, 80 to 90 percent of uh, animal species will also die off. And that hasn't happened either. Mike Schellenberger, Michael Schellenberger, um, he is a well-renowned author, and um, he's an activist for renewable energy. He's testified before Congress. He gives very good statistics about these things and about the allegations that storms and the, the um, intensity and magnitude of these storms have increased. He says, no, it's actually not true. Um, the amount of storms that have occurred or have, have actually decreased, and the amount of death and destruction from these storms has actually decreased over time. In fact, it's decreased not only just a little bit, but by 90%. And there are more people dying in storms. But over the course of, like last year, 400 people died of natural disasters, but that was compared to in the 70s where there's a lot more people and a lot more infrastructure built on the coasts where the storms are occurring. And so the damage that is occurring, the the, the infrastructure wasn't even there to be damaged before. So the amount of dollars lost wasn't there to be lost when it was determined. So it's, it, you're cooking the books here. You're kind using, of misleading. Yeah, information that it's not apples to apples here. And so he talks about the direct statistics. I look at those statistics and I say, okay, I'm not going to follow that. But um, the issue is those who ignore all of those stories and keep making up new predictions and say you must abide by these policies because this new prediction is in 10 years, we're all going to be starving and it's going to be worse than a nuclear holocaust, and we have to even risk a nuclear holocaust to implement these policies or risk um, downplaying our position in, in, in world politics and in the economy by giving over our sovereignty to other countries for our energy, then that becomes a real problem. It impacts me personally upon a belief that I don't agree with and all the predictions are wrong. Yeah, I think the focus of um, when you were talking, what really jumped out to me was the the government's jumping on the bandwagon, if you will, on this climate change issue, and that being if 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 in fact you could classify climate change and the fanaticism towards it as a religious type following, then what would prevent an individual suing the federal government and saying, well? you're not allowed to impose on me 
a particular religious belief, which is environmentalism in this case. So what I was researching as you were talking was, what is the legal definition constitutionally of religion? It appears once in, in our uh, constitution, right? And we're able to exercise, we're free of the government's um, persecution of our religion, and we're able to exercise the freedom of religion here. But what is religion? Is religion solely defined as a belief in a in a supreme being or a supernatural being, such that I hold that dear and I'm going to I'm going to conduct my life in a way according to those beliefs that I have, or is it broader than that? Does it entail, like we've been talking about today, a cult-like following of whether that's environmentalism or it's Taylor Swift or it's something that I'm, I, my, my life is predicated upon following the dictates of that particular thing. Is it that broad? So what is the legal definition of, of religion? It's been addressed several times in the Supreme Court over the course of 150 years, but um, we don't really have a defining of religion yet. It's been nebulous over the course of those 150 years. There's different, different cases that will say that it, it alludes to some sort of a greater being or a belief in a greater being. But it, it also nowadays has also been interpreted to be that broader type uh, religion definition where it could be, I'm just fanatical about this person. And, and when I go to a Taylor Swift concert, I memorize all the lyrics. I'm going to, you know, if she says to do this, that, or the other, I'm going to follow her because she said it. And, and in my eyes, she, she is my God kind of thing. So it could be that, you know, so do you have a case against the federal government to say, Hey, you can't enact these environmental policies. You're that you're following this environmental religion. And I don't subscribe to that. And the federal government cannot endorse a religion. That is the the founding tenets of our Constitution. They can't say, well, Catholicism is the national religion, and if you don't follow that, then we're going to put you to death. That's what was happening in the Church of England in, in England when, when our founders were, were fighting the war, the Revolutionary War. And so that was the main tenet of the Constitution was the exercise of free religion, not any, not not the government's endorsement of a particular religion, but rather this is going to be a, a grounds where you can exercise your religion. If that's Taylor Swift or if that's uh, environmentalism, you can do that, but the government doesn't have the ability to use my tax money to then change policies and force me to buy an oven that doesn't use, that, that uses natural gas, uh, that has to use electricity. They can't do that because that would be following this religion of environmentalism. I wonder if you could bring that argument. I mean, you'd probably be looked at as crazy in a courtroom, but I don't think it's too far off if, you've, no. if you're fact, able to convince a, a judge or a jury. If you look at the evidence, I mean, articles have been published since the early 1900s. There's even articles in the 1800s talking about um, global warming. And again, I say they go both ways. There's a there's an article here in Time, 1974, says another ice age is coming, and it shows all this evidence of ice forming in places that it hasn't been formed before, and all these migratory birds are losing their habitat for that, and um, it's due to um, human intervention. And then there's another article. It's in The Guardian. It talks about how space satellites show that there's ice in Canada during the summer where it's never been shown there before. And so it, it, it 
it's totally inconsistent. The evidence doesn't show all of the things that they're prophesying to be true. And um, we can go again and again and again over these. And so what I say is, if the evidence doesn't show it, then let us vote on policies that we think as a, as a people are going to promote our best interests. I believe that God put us down here on earth to learn something, to actually enjoy life and enjoy this earth, not to abuse it. I, I don't agree with that, but I want to enjoy it. I don't think that putting a dam in a river and preventing it from flowing um, unfettered into the ocean and using it instead to create irrigation where we can grow millions of acres of, of food for animals and for people and also to produce trees and, and, and cities and populations for people to thrive is a bad thing rather than just letting that, that fresh water run directly into the ocean. Also, it produces on the way down um, clean electricity for us to have um, a higher quality of life, to, prov- to provide our own climate control in the arid desert. And so we've got the Hoover Dam, and we've got the Glen Canyon Dam, and we've got these others that are producing electricity to provide us a quality of life where we don't have to go out and burn coal to cook food. We don't even have to burn firewood to keep warm. Or we can live here in a place that was otherwise inhospitable instead of deforesting other very pristine areas. We can live in a desert and enjoy life here, and then we can go up in the mountains and enjoy the wilderness. I think that's a good thing, and I think those are policies that we need to vote on with an open mind based on what the evidence truly is, as opposed to this cult-like following, despite all the evidence to the contrary. We got to go, but before we do, we've got a couple seminars coming up that we wanted to make you aware of. On August 22nd at 10.30 a.m., we're going to do a, um, a seminar at the Yuma Main Library. And then on Friday, August 25th, we will be doing another seminar at the Foothills Library, and we hope to see you there. If you have questions or want to know more about something that was discussed today, please call the law firm of Deason, Garner & Hanson at 928 928- 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com.